Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's Word and His vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. And so we've been talking about identity for the last uh, three weeks, be and behold, right? And today we're going to close out that series and I hope uh, to drive home the importance of having your identity rooted in Jesus. I hope you receive that. I hope you hear it. Um, And I hope that and pray that as you receive this and even through our business meeting, if you stay for that, um, the whole purpose of the business meeting is, is to get us motivated to have our light shine, to have our light shine outside of this place so that, yes, this place can be filled up, but that the kingdom can be expanded, that the word of God can go forth and change lives. This is what we want. This is what we want for our kids. This is what we want for our kids' kids. This is what we want for our friends, isn't it? I believe this, that if you're excited about what God is doing in this place, you cannot keep it secret anymore. I I know that people are watching online and we gave you permission to watch online, but here's the thing, is that um, there is a difference between watching online and being here in person. Okay, there's a difference. There's, there's a feeling that comes with it. And I'm not putting down anybody that's watching online. I get it. I know that you have certain things. And I'm so grateful that this year, uh, 2020, has forced us to up our game online. That you can watch it. That we can interact. That we can still do growth groups. That we can still do prayer groups. That we can still get together and interact. But there is something special about seeing your brothers and sisters' face right here. I'm telling you, I can sense things when I see people face to face. I can sense hurt. I can sense joy. I can sense what's going on in your life. I hope you can sense what's going on in my life. And I hope that by sensing these things that we can care and love for one another. And I'm going to tell you this, this straight up. When I see your face, every single one of you, it encourages me. I get excited to see your face. I get excited when you're here. I miss you when I'm gone. I hope you miss me. Do you miss me? Did you miss me? Okay, okay, just making sure. Just making sure, okay? But I do, I miss you when when you're not here. There's something powerful about being together. There's something powerful about it. You have a card. On your seat. I was supposed to wait to the end to do this, but here, I know, because if I don't do this now, you're going to be wondering, why why am I sitting on this card? And if you sat on the card, get up and pick it up, okay? You need it, okay? What what does that say on the front of it? Can anybody read this? Can you, you read this? Read this? What does it say? Somebody say it really loud. You matter. You matter. Who do you matter to? Man, you matter to me. Look, look to your left, look to your right. Do those people matter to you? Do they matter to you? Let them know. Tell them. Say, you matter. Online, I need you to do this. Type it in. Say, you matter. You know what's, what's cool about being online is that um, I talked to um, a, a friend of mine, 
And uh, she said, you know, she moved to another state. And she says, Pastor Anthony, I am so blessed that by me moving, I don't feel lonely. I don't feel lonely. And the reason is because I get to watch service. I still get to attend church in another state. Okay, I still get to be a part of growth groups. I still get to be a part of prayer. Uh, I, I still get to do these things and feel like I have a connection to my home church. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And uh, I, I believe the, that you online, you matter too. And so we are launching this campaign this week, okay, of uh, you matter. And, and all of you should take these cards. We printed off 500 of them. I, I, my goal is that I need to print off another 500. Um, seriously inexpensive. It cost me $20. $20 to print these things off. 500 of them, okay? And, and so the goal is, is this, is that um, I went to the gas station the other uh, day, and I opened the door. I always try to open the door for people. Um, not to brag. It's just how I was raised. Good job, Mom. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a habit. So I try to open door. I, I think it comes from church too, because I, I just try to open door for people. If you guys have ever seen me out in front, I'm always, I can't just stand there. I got to open doors for people. That's what I do. Um, and, uh, I, I just think it's polite. I want people to know that they matter. They matter. Don't matter. If you're a stranger, you matter to me. Okay. And so I, I opened a door for a lady and, uh, she stops and she goes, thank you so much. And then she says, have, have a wonderful day. And I was like, man, them, them, I felt like we had a connection, you know? And, and then nothing. I just walked into the store, right? But then it popped into my head that why didn't you invite her to church? Well, because it's COVID and I don't invite nobody anywhere. Right? I mean, this is, COVID has, has like blocked our ability to invite people and to be personable in, in certain situations, right? And I got to say, uh, through 2020, like there was this constant tension of how many people do I want in church and how many people do I want online and do I really want people in church? Um, is it safe? Is it not safe? I don't want to, I, I, I want to make sure we don't like cause people. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, Man, it, it, it was like the hardest and greatest year all wrapped up in one because the intimacy you can have with God when you're isolated, um, but the fact that you're isolated and you don't want people around, it's, it's, it's this constant tension. And I opened the door for this lady and, and I, I, the Lord just popped into my head like, why didn't you invite her to church? And I could not get that out of my mind. And I remember somebody telling me a long time ago, if you expect people to do things, then you need to resource them and give them the ability to do it. Permission and resources, right? Permission and resources. So this is what I'm telling you. This is the whole purpose of all day today. If you get nothing else today, these are the people that I'm, I'm talking to, my, my brothers and sisters that are here right now. I will address you in a second online, okay? Don't tune out. Um, if you are here, I am giving you permission and I am resourcing you that if you like 
What's going on in this place? If you like this place, if you like the messages, if you like worship, if, if you want to see this place grow, then you've got to invite people. And, and we've got to get back into the habit. We have a couple months and start getting into the habit of, of getting people out of their homes, out of watching service, um, if they're able, and get them back in to church by telling them that they matter. You matter. Today's message is uh, entitled, what? Let Your Light Shine. Shine a light, let your light shine, be a light, okay? Um, and the way to be a light is, is just, we've got to break out of the shell. I know it's hard. I'm a hugger. I'm a handshaker. I almost said a toucher, but that's not good. So that's, <laughs> but I'm a, I, you know, I, I'm a physical contact person, right? Like me and my friends, you know, when we see each other, it's like, bam, and then go in for the hug, right? The one, the one hand handshake, this is how, how dudes do it sometimes, right? We do the handshake, <clears throat> pull in, <clears throat> tap on the back, push away, right? I don't know what it is. It's like, you can't be too close for too long, man. Get away from me. Love you. You know, that's how we do it. We're like, we're like tough like that, right? And, but we can't do that anymore. We're like, mm, nope. How you doing? Six feet. Um, and, and so that's, that's caused us not to be personable in, in cases. And we've got to break that. You matter. The people out here matter. I think that this year has opened people's eyes and hearts to the need for a savior, to a need for hope. Okay, we just sang a song uh, about how, you know, he, he's our hope, right? He is our hope, but he's not just your hope. He's your, your, your kids' hope, your family's hope, your extended family's hope. Every single one of you know one person that you can invite to church. So do it. If you get nothing else today, that's, that's what I want you to hear. Amen? Online, you have a, a different uh, way of doing this. We're going to build graphics around this, and, uh, and we're going to start a, a social media campaign, okay? And every single day, you will see new things pop up. Mondays will be our... Um, podcast. Do you know that the sermon is, is changed into a podcast? When you see the graphics pop up for the podcast of the message, don't just say, oh, that's cool. Do something. Hit the little share button and share it. Share it. Listen, do not let this place be the greatest secret that nobody else knows about. Okay? You can't. Online, that's your responsibility. Even those that are here, you can do that too. You can participate, okay? Uh, every single day will be something online that will come up from our church, um, letting you know about Wednesday services, letting you know about Sunday services, letting you know about events. We will take the video from today, chop it down into a one-minute little segment thing and share it on, what is that, Thursdays, right? And on Thursdays, you'll see a little segment with a point. If I make a good point and they can get it in a minute, 
Good luck, because sometimes I'm long-winded, right? Um, But if you can do, if you see that stuff, share it. Be a part of growing our community. The thing that we've learned this year is that our church expands beyond these walls, okay? No longer is this it. We have people watching in Idaho, Boise, Idaho. Shout out to Nard, Lorenzo, Artister. Hope you heard me. If you didn't hear me, I'm going to call you and call you out for not listening. Okay? Um, But we do. We have people watching all over the United States. Um, I mean, not like, you know, millions, but, you know, one day. All right? All right. You guys ready to get into Word? Okay. There's my, uh, my opening. I was, uh, Tony Evans is one of my, my favorite pastors. Um, I just think he's got like the coolest way of uh, expository preaching. When he does it, it's so creative. I love creative preaching. Um, and I love watching creative preachers who are so dynamic too. You ever just get caught up in watching somebody and you're just like, Wow. You know, that's, that's him. I got the chance to watch him live. And I got to tell you, I was blown away. And so I, I, bought, I buy all of his books. And inside of one of these books is um, all these different illustrations and stuff. And I found one that I think fit for today's message. And so this is what he wrote. He says, uh, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? If I'm on a luxury liner that is sinking... I should want to get off the luxury liner and get to safety. If the crew calls out to me and says, hey, the boat is sinking, people. The boat is sinking. Get in the lifeboat so you'll be saved from drowning in the ocean. Nobody wants to drown in the ocean, right? Amen. All right. He says, that is, that, that's good news in a bad situation. The lifeboat can save me from death. Now, I could say, I know there's a lifeboat, but I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to stay on this big old boat, and I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with the lifeboat. I'm a little uncomfortable with the lifeboat. I heard what the crew is telling me to do, but I want to try another way. If I say this, It won't be because I don't know there is another way. I will be choosing, however, not to accept what I know. There may be another person who says, well, if the captain said to get in the lifeboat, I am going to get in the lifeboat. Believing in the Bible is not merely accepting information. It is entrusting yourself to the information that you say you accept. In other words, there is no belief until I get into the lifeboat. Talking means nothing. I could say, oh, that lifeboat sure looks good. I believe that that lifeboat can save somebody. I believe that lifeboat is more than able. I believe that that lifeboat is the the wheel in the middle of a wheel. 
I believe that lifeboat is so high you can't get over it, so low you can't get under it, and so wide you can't get around it. I believe that lifeboat is the rose of Sharon, balm of Gilead, and bright and morning star. I could say all of this and still drown in the ocean if I don't get in the lifeboat. To tell me you believe that the chair you're sitting in can hold you up is meaningless until you actually sit down. It is the sitting down, it is the act of faith that equals real faith. Not merely the decision about faith. How do you know that you've acted in faith? Simple. You reject everything but Christ to save you. You only, and if you're writing this down, circle the word only. You only trust in Jesus. See, as we've been looking at uh, the identity of Christ and our identity in Christ, today I want you to see what running towards Christ looks like. I want to show you uh, what having your identity in Jesus really looks like. I just want to give you a glimpse. I also want to say this. As we look at this, these are merely pieces of a large puzzle. This is not the whole puzzle. I can't give you the whole puzzle in in. 30-ish minutes? It's not the whole puzzle, and it's not the end-all, be-all, okay? The first place that we need to look, and I believe this is inside of Scripture. How many of you guys have ever heard of Hebrews chapter 11? I remember the women did a Bible study on this a long time ago. You remember this, Christina? And what you guys had T-shirts made, too, I think, didn't you, or something? And... Uh, um, and Hebrews chapter 11 is like the hall of fame of the Bible, okay? Right? It's the hall of faith, right? Is that, that it? Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to drink my life water now. <sighs> oh. Don't believe in this water. Believe in the living water. Jesus Christ. Keep that out there as a personal reminder, all right? Chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, open up to chapter 11 of Hebrews, the Hall of Faith. And it's, it's kind of like the Hall of Fame. If you know anything about the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, me and, and some friends, we're going to go to the Boxing Hall of Fame this year when everything opens up. It's been a lifelong dream of mine to go. I love boxing, and I love the history of boxing. Um, and, and I tell you, we're going, we're, we're going. As you read all the accounts in this chapter, uh, it's easy to think that you could never do the things that are written in this chapter, that you could never live up to what these people did. We, we tend to sell ourselves pretty short when it comes to the hall of fame or the hall of faith, right? We tend to sell ourselves short. Because these people, man, they were great. They had all the anointing. They had all this stuff going on. How can we ever possibly live up to what these people did? Well, you can. 
I'm going to tell you this right now. The people that God tapped to do amazing things are no better than any of you. They are no better than me. They are no better than any of you watching online. They are no better than us. I mean, look at this. I'll I'll go through it and give you a few examples. Look at Abraham. Abraham was afraid for his life and lied about his wife, Sarah, being his sister, not once, but twice. Jacob began his walk of faith by tricking his brother into giving him his birthright. And then dressed up like his brother and tricked his dad into giving him his blessing instead of his brother. This is how he started his hall of faith career. Moses. Ooh, Moses. How many of you guys like Moses? We, I love Moses. They, they talk about Moses on VeggieTales all the time. You know, but they always do like the rated G version of Moses. Moses actually murdered somebody. And then ran away. Not accidentally, actually. It wasn't no accident. That dude murdered somebody. They don't call it murder if you do it on accident. They call it involuntary manslaughter, right? They said murder in the Bible. And then fled from the authorities. He bounced. He was like, I'm out. I'm not coming back. Right? And then God taps him, burns a bush, talks to him through a burning bush, which is kind of crazy. I mean, if somebody came to me and was like, hey, uh, your lawn caught on fire and started talking to me. I'd be like, whoa, buddy. I don't care what it said. I mean, I'm a little curious, but let's go to the hospital first. Right? His, his, the bush started burning out in a desert and started talking to him. And God asked him through this to go back after the whole murder thing and speak for him to be his mouthpiece, to set his people free. And he was so scared, even after witnessing the burning bush, even after hearing the voice of God, even after all of these things, he was so scared that he forced his brother to come with him. He said, man, you got to come with me. And he had to have his brother speak for him instead of him actually doing it. There's also a woman named uh, Rahab. Anybody ever heard of Rahab? Right? Did you know she wasn't even Jewish? Right? And she was a woman in the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys understand the significance of this, right? Oh, and did I mention she was a prostitute? She's in the hall of fame, hall of faith. Then you have uh, Samson. We like to glorify Samson as this big, strong guy. You know, Samson was a man with some serious anger issues, right? Serious anger issues. I mean, this guy once killed a bunch of people. And when I say a bunch of people, like a lot of people. With a jawbone of a donkey. Right? Then you have David. Good old David. We love to talk about David. How he's the smallest one in the group. Right? He was the one that, that, that uh, the father forgot, kind of pushed him off to the side and said, no, no, you're not good enough. Right? And we like to glorify David. We like to say, well, David is the man after God's own heart. David 
was an adulterer, a murderer, and his kids were evil and crazy. That should give you some hope right there, right? Like any of you guys, you guys don't do that kind of stuff. You can be in the hall of faith, people. That's, that's what this is for. You can do this. You can do this. All of these people that made the hall of fame or the hall of faith, they had some serious issues. All of you have issues. I have issues. If 2020 has shown me anything, it has made me come face to face with a lot of issues. A lot of issues. I believe that America, I believe that the world is coming face to face with their issues because they can't mask their issues anymore. They are, they, they are home alone and their issues start to creep up. You can't just go out and do something to kind of mask your issues anymore. When you look in the mirror, you have to see you. And not just you, but the real you. Like, like when I look in the mirror, I used to look at it and say, and see like the 18 year old me. Right? I was, I was blinded. I had this filter on. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Right? And then after a few months of COVID and isolation and stuff like that, you look in the mirror like, whoa, that's not me. Who put the clown mirror in the bathroom? Right? I mean, that pear shape is not me, bro. That, like, that's not me, man. Like, I, I look good. Right? I, like, I'm in shape. Until I went to go try to get in shape and then I realized I'm not in shape and that mirror guy was the real me and I had to come face to face with that. We have all come face to face with the reality of who we are over in 2020. I believe that. I believe that. And I believe this, that what comes to the light can be cured, can be redeemed can be ratified, can be uh, changed, can, can, can grow in, in, in a good way. And whatever stays in the dark will start to dominate your life and will kill you. It will kill you. You don't believe me? My eating habits, the way I live, the uh, things that I do to my body, they, they'll, it'll kill me. It'll most definitely kill me. All the experts tell me that. My doctor tells me that every time I walk in. Like, bro, you got to get in shape. <laughs> yeah, I will. I love my doctor because I go up to him and he says, you, you exercising? I said, yeah, I'm trying. He stops everything, looks at me and goes, what does that even mean? <laughs> trying. How do you try to exercise? You either do or you don't. Well, I thought about it. Don't tell me that. I need you to exercise. Do you care about you as much as I care about you? Because apparently you don't, because I'm the only one riding you on this thing. Do you want to die? I'm like, whoa, man, hold up, man. Just tell me the good stuff. Like, I'm paying you, right? Like, some form of me is paying you. I need you to tell me the good stuff. No, that's not what you're paying me for. You signed the dotted line. I'm going to tell you the truth. Oh, man, I need a second opinion. My doctor's out cold, though. He's <laughs> I love the dude because we, we sit and chat. We chat about real stuff, and he's a, he's a cool dude. Um, my doctor cares enough. He, he, he called me one day, and he was just like, hey, I just, I just want to know how you're doing. I'm like, wow. I thought I missed a payment or something. No, I just want to see how you're doing. 
I need you to exercise. You need to be around. I care about you. I'm like, man, that means that's, okay, I'll exercise. <laughs> so I did. I've been exercising except for over the last three weeks. Um, <laughs> I've been getting texts that, hey, do your push-ups and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Anyways, more on that later. Um, the point being that all of these people, all of these people, they, the only thing that separates them from everyone else was the faith that they had in God, not in themselves, in God, in God, who came through for all of them in some pretty, pretty hard situations. I mean, look back at your life, man. Look, here's the thing. I need you to understand something. I need you to understand this. Write this down, okay? If you can say anything about 2020, you made it. You made it. Man, you made it through, right? Now, I'm telling you right now, surviving is not good enough anymore. We need to move from survivability to thrivability. We got to move there. We got to move there because you can only stay in survival mode for so long before it eats you up and kills you. You need to move into thrivability. You need to have hope for a future that's bigger than what you see right now. That's better than what you see right now. Because if you don't, you will die. Not just a, a metaphorical death. You will die a spiritual death, you will die a physical death, you'll die a mental death, you'll die a a financial death, you'll die a relational death, you will die. Got to get it through your minds, people. Online, man, you got to get it through. I care enough to tell you some harsh truths. Look at Noah for a minute. Let's look at Noah. Noah is probably... Do you know that Noah was probably not the greatest guy in the world? Like, when you think of Noah, some of you are thinking right now of Russell Crowe. <laughs> right? And that's pretty cool, but that's not reality, people. Okay? He's not cool, Russell Crowe, and stuff like that. And, and no, man, this guy had some issues. How do I know that? Because I read the life of Moses, or uh, of Noah, and I see he had a, probably a little drinking problem, a little drinky drink. Probably had a anger issue the way he talked to his kids. I mean, do you know that he cursed a whole line of his, his children out of a drunken stupor? Yeah, wasn't, wasn't the greatest guy, okay? But what made him great in the eyes of the Lord was his faith in God. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith... By faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, by faith, right? He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping the faith. So Noah did not just decide to take a weekend and do a little project with the kiddos. Right? No, no, no. He, he spent the next 120 years. Anybody 120 years old? Okay. 
That's a long time. You get it now, right? Okay? Like, I don't know anybody that's 100. Like, I was watching the news, and I seen like a couple hundred years old, 99, 102, and that was it. No 120. This dude spent 120 years building this thing. 120 years doing anything means you are pretty committed to the cause. I've tried to do sit-ups over the last three weeks and push-ups every day and have pretty much failed at it. My bad. I mean, I did some. I even videotaped me doing some, and then I just put it on replay and figured that's enough. <laughs> what, I'm, no, what I'm saying is this. If you do anything for 120 years, uh, people take notice right? You can't hide that kind of commitment. Could you imagine if I did push-ups and sit-ups every single day for 120 years? I'd be like the oldest jack dude in the world, right? <laughs> be like, his body doesn't match his face. I get it, okay? You can't hide that kind of commitment. And then when people ask, what do you say? They say, well, yeah, there, there's a huge flood coming, uh, yeah, listen, Noah, you've been building this boat for like 120 years and it hasn't rained once. Okay, so Noah looked a little crazy, right? Until, until it started raining. And all of a sudden this dude's a genius, right? Hebrews 11, uh, 17 through 19. Let's look at another character. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had embraced the promises had, uh, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Isaac re or Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. What if God didn't stop Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac? Could you imagine standing over the body of your dead child? Maybe I guess that all um, you know, depends on how they're acting. But, you know, but seriously though, what? What would it be like at the funeral? Everyone looking at you, everyone talking, saying, man, this guy is really off his rocker. He had one son, he bragged about this son, and then he killed him, saying God told him to do it. Could you imagine living your life with everyone thinking you are completely insane? I guess this is how it would have been if God did not come through. But the reality is he did. He did come through. Then you have all the disciples. They all had their issues, right? They all had their things, and, and, uh, and it talks about them. And, and we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 through 38. It says this, women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about 
in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Anybody want to sign up for the ministry after reading that uh, calling card? The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Think about Paul for a second. What if there was no heaven? And there was no forever. There was no glory. If there was no Christ, if there was no God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that they should be pitied more than all men. But since God is real, then they should be envied more than anyone else. The bottom line is this. If our lives make sense, and and I believe it's Francis Chan that said this, man, if our lives make sense to unbelievers, and I put in, even if our lives make sense to some believers, if our lives make sense to unbelievers and some unbelievers, then something is wrong. Then something is wrong. Chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews should not intimidate you, but it should motivate you. Saying that if, if these very normal, very messy, messed up people can live a life of faith, then so can you and so can I. It should also be a book of hope because the God that those people served is the same God that you serve today. It's such a cool thing that when, when you pre, pray, it is being heard by the same God who answered Moses' prayer. It's the same God who showed up in that bush in the desert burning. It's the same God that made a donkey talk. The God who gave Abraham and his wife, who couldn't have kids, kids. Same God who made Joseph the slave and prisoner, second in command, vice president of Egypt. Same God. 1 John 2, 6 says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I like being simple. I mean, I just do. Life has a way of complicating things all on its own, right? So I try to not complicate things more than, than life is already doing it, right? And so I try to be simple. I really do. I try to be as simple as possible. It doesn't always work. But I like the motto, uh, the KISS method. Anybody ever heard of the KISS method? Keep it simple. Stupid, right? <laughs> it's... I totally understand it. That's, that's me, right? Come on, man. Right? I, I, matter of fact, yesterday, I was talking to my stepfather, and, uh, and, and we were trying to do something. And I said, listen, man, stop. Talk to me like I'm a four-year-old. Do, you will not insult me. Give me instructions like I'm a four-year-old so I can follow it. Keep it simple. Don't try to overthink it. Don't try to overtalk it. Just tell me higher, lower, left, right. Stop, go, stop, go. That's it, man. I will do exactly what you say. He, was, he looked at me for a second. I said, man, you want to insult me, man. Just treat me like a four-year-old. If you want my help, treat me like a four-year-old, I will do it. Because I have no idea what you're thinking, bro. None. When you look at the Bible, 
It tells us to have our identity in Christ. That means to have the mind preoccupied with Jesus. The Holy Spirit stirs in us a joy and a peace when our eyes and minds are fixed on Christ. Living by faith and focused on a life to come. If I've seen anything in the last year, year and a half, it's that we're focused way too much on the life that is here right now. We are focused way too much on today. We are focused way too much on trying to get through this moment. And if you're focused on trying to get through this moment, how can you focus on heaven and how great it is going to be? And how do I get there? How can we believe it when the Bible says that a thousand years is but of a blink of an eye, which means that our lifetime here is just like that? You don't believe me? Most of you thought you couldn't get it through 2020, and here you are in 2021. And guess what? 2022 is going to hop up right on its corner, right? And I told you before, man, it's easier to change your mindset than it is to change your circumstances. But yet we keep fighting to change the situations and circumstances that we're in instead of allowing God to change our minds, to change our hearts, to change our eyes, being focused on the wrong things. Keep it simple. Luke 6, 32 through 35, or 6 says this. If you love those who love you, What credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. True faith is loving a person after they have hurt you. True love makes you stand out. The world is watching every single one of you. The world, you don't believe me, man? How many times have you been criticized over a post or something on Facebook? And you didn't even know that person was your friend. The world is watching people. When we love Christ like we should, people take notice. People see that. When you love somebody, you you ever notice that that you start to kind of look like the people you love? (laughs) I watch older couples who've been together like 50 years, and they start looking like brothers and sisters instead of husband and wife, right? I used to do this thing where I'd show these pictures of uh, people looking like they're animals. 
right? People look like their dogs and the dogs they have, or at least their dogs start looking like the people. Maybe, I don't know, right? It's amazing how we start to mirror the ones that we love. When we start to love Christ, we start to mirror him to the world. That's how we let our light shine. That's how we let our light shine. What is looking like Jesus? What does having our identity in Jesus look like? To have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic, with having our mind preoccupied, being obsessed is what um, Francis Chan would say with Christ, being obsessed with Jesus. Here's the thing. People whose identity is in Jesus, they, they give freely and openly without censure. They, they love those who hate them and, and who can never love them back. If we love Jesus, then we can start to break down some of those hard relationships. We can start to reach those people that are hard to reach. This is a godly type love. This is a Christ-like love. Christ gave us something in which we can never, ever repay. He asks us to keep loving him like he loves us and others. Keep giving as he gives. People whose identity is in Jesus are more concerned with obeying God than doing what is expected or fulfilling the status quo. They will do things that don't always make sense in terms of success or wealth on this earth. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Man, that should be an eye-opening verse for all of us, right? Like, we, 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 we think we know. We have all this knowledge. But, man, I'm telling you, a lot of us, man, I, I'm seeing people, they're, they're in this luxury boat, and the lifeboat is there, and they refuse to get on it. They know the truth. They know the boat is sinking, but they refuse to get on. Real faith is getting on the boat. It's doing thing I want you to see is this, is that what Christ is probably asking you to do is not easy. This ain't the easy road. At Church in the City, they made me a uh, shirt. Does anybody remember what that shirt said? Christianity isn't for punks. I used to say that all the time. Christianity isn't for punks, man. You've chosen the hard road, okay? It is hard. This is not a Coke and a smile kind of uh, uh, religion, okay? This is a hard thing. People whose identity is in Jesus, they know that the sin of pride is always a battle. They know that you can never be humble enough. And so they seek to make themselves less known and Christ more known, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Say to your neighbor, let your light shine. 
Isn't that a song? Remember that song? Let your love shine. There you go. I'll let somebody who can sing sing it. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Today in children's church, that's what they're learning. Let your light shine. So quiz your kids. Talk to your kids. Let your light shine all week long. And I'm telling you, this is one way you can do it. Let your light shine. Be a Christ follower. Have your identity in him. It will come out and then begin to do. Begin to invite. Begin to let your light shine. I know for myself, it is pride that doesn't allow me to give God glory when I do something good often. Pride is something that we all battle with. Some of us have to battle daily, hourly, minute by minute. People whose identity is in Christ are known as givers, not takers. They genuinely um, think that others matter as much as they do. That others matter. Others matter. We've got to show it. We've got to show it. And they are particularly aware of those who are poor around the world. And not, not just poor financially poor in spirit, poor in relationship, poor in, in, in the thought process, poor emotionally. When you start to take your eyes off of yourself and fix them on Christ, all of a sudden you start to see people in a different light. You start to see people differently. You start to care for the individual, for the souls that are around you. James 2, 14 through 17 says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is somebody, ooh, dead, dead. See, James is not saying that you are saved by the things that you do. I had a nice little illustration for that, but I'm going to skip it. You're welcome. He's saying that if you have this faith in Christ and this love for Christ, then your life should show evidence of it. Does your life show evidence? Could it be better? That's where we humble ourselves and say yes, right? Anybody else like, yeah, no. <laughs> I maxed out on all that, on my good deeds. You need to come to the altar. It would be like an apple tree always producing rotten apples. Am I telling you that it's healthy? You know by the fruit it bears. If you love Christ, people will know by the fruit you bear. 
People whose identity is in Jesus, they have an intimate relationship with him. They are nourished by God's word throughout the day because they know that 40 minutes-ish on Sunday is not enough to sustain for a whole week. It's not enough. Especially when they will encounter so many distractions and alternative missions along the way. How many of you guys get distracted in a week, in a day? How many of you guys have emergencies seem like every single week, right? Isn't it crazy? I know people look at my life and be like, I can't believe you just went to, you spent 90 days in the hospital last year and Xavier's got all this going on and then bam, COVID. He's not, he shouldn't have COVID. Man, I'm telling you, God has some cool things planned for that kid. He has been through it. And I'm telling you, I have so many kids that I expect things to happen at this point. Like I had a good friend tell me, I I remember going to him one day and I was like, listen, man, I can't, uh, I I feel like my life is always like this. He said, "Uh, you know how many kids you have? I was like, yeah, I know how many kids I have. What kind of stupid question is that? Right? He goes, yeah, then you need to expect these things to happen. You, matter of fact, you should expect that somebody's always going to be sick. Somebody's always going to be hurt. Somebody's always going to be crying. Somebody's always going to be complaining. Somebody's always going to be disobeying. You need to just come to the realization that your family is complicated. You've got all these personalities going all different directions. You just need to expect it. And when you do... You won't feel like the world is ending every time something happens. You'll be able to just get it. Hey, I got five kids and there's always something happening. Somebody's always breaking something. I'm surprised we haven't had more broken bones. Go break a bone. See, never broken a bone. But his sister. (laughs) I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. It's... I try not to let it be a distraction or an alternative mission, but whatever happens in life to be part of God's mission, be part of God's mission. Lord, let your light shine in the midst of my circumstances and situations. Amen? See, God doesn't want us to act like slaves forced to do his bidding and do his things and read his word and pray all the time. He wants his word to be delightful, to be a a wonderful part of who we are. Psalms 1-3, you guys can read that on your own, but it it, it tells you that if we we get to a point in, in life, um, we have to get to a point in our lives that no matter what we do, no matter what we encounter, whether we're garbage men, roofers, accountants, teachers, um, uh, whatever we do, that that person's life will be a blessing. Will be a blessing. I mean, I love Psalms because it has so many verses about man, a, a man or a woman who loves Christ, who loves God, everything they touch, it'll be like the Midas touch. You know what the Midas touch is? It's not the muffler guy, okay? It's, it's, man, everything you touch will prosper. 
Okay, and, and I'm telling you, man, even when it doesn't feel like it is, it is because, I'm, I, man, in some of the worst situations, I've seen my kids grow in some mighty ways, I've seen myself grow in, in mighty ways. I haven't always seen my bank account grow in, in mighty ways, but one day, one day, people whose identity is in Jesus know that the best thing they can do is be faithful to their Savior in every aspect of life. Continually saying thank you to God. They know there can never be intimacy if they are always trying to pay God back or work hard enough to be worthy. We can have the worship team come on up. People whose identity is in Christ, they find comfort in their role as child or friend of God. They find comfort in this. See, none of these descriptions show 100% what it looks like to be in love with God. They are just pieces to a large puzzle. And my hope is by going through them, you can start to see glimpses of what it is God wants for your life. At any phase of life, what God wants for your life, what your identity can be. Today, we're talking about letting our light shine. I want you to take this card. Can everybody grab one? You got one? If you don't, grab one from the seat next to you. Grab this card. Hold it up. I want you to take more than one. I got stacks of them back there. Okay? I want you to take more than one. You need to take more than one. But I want you to hold this one. I look in this audience and I, say, I see some amazingly faithful people. I see some people who have their identity in Christ, who genuinely want to grow, who genuinely want more from him. Not only do you matter, but the people around you matter. Your family matters. Even the ones that keep leeching off of you. They matter. They matter. They may need Jesus a lot more, a lot sooner, right? They matter. I want you to take this card. I want you to hold it. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to pray over this card. Pray over this card. I want God to give you an image of somebody that needs this, that needs to know that they matter. That they matter. And there are people who feel like they can't live anymore, man. There are people who feel like they're at their end of the ropes and they need to know that they matter. I'm telling you, man, our world is hurting. How do I know? Because I feel it. I feel it, man. If I didn't have Christ, man, I would have been at the end of my rope a long time ago. A long time ago. I see how hard it is with Jesus, man. I can't imagine without. I see how hard it is with grace. I can't imagine without. I see how hard it is with hope. 
I can't imagine without. There are people out there that need to know that they matter. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you burn an image of somebody into our minds and our hearts. That we can share this message that they matter. Let us, help us, Lord, let our light shine for you in a mighty way. Illuminate our path. Strengthen our perseverance. Strengthen our resolve, God. Guide our feet as we walk along the path that you have illuminated for us, Lord. Not forsaking any people that are standing on the side watching. And Father, I pray that you give us the courage and the strength to hand one of these out. I pray for those that are online, I pray that you give them the courage and the strength to share every single day the things that are going on, Lord. I pray that our viewership starts to go up, that our influence starts to go up, Lord. I pray that these empty seats start to become full, God. I pray that these altars become full, God. I pray that lives will become changed, God. I pray that hope, hope would start to be shown to people. Give people glimpses of a future that is amazing. Let us not stand on the instability of this world, Lord. Let us find stability in your word, in your spirit, in who you are, in your mission. Let us find passion in your identity. Father, I pray when we look in the mirror, Lord, that we see who you made us to be. Who you made us to be, Lord. I pray that everybody that we encounter, Lord, that we would hand this card. I pray that we would be directed by your Holy Spirit, that we'd be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that, that, that we would listen to the voices of the Holy Spirit, God, that we wouldn't be ashamed or scared, but we would begin to hand these things out with excitement. And I pray that people take these seriously when they receive them and they find hope in this, knowing that they matter, that they matter to somebody. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Will you guys stand up? And as we sing this last song, will you, will you just continue to pray over these cards? Pray that God would give you glimpses of people. Pray that we would begin to invite our families back, that we would begin to invite our friends back, anybody that you see missing, that we would let them know that they matter. We need them here because we feel the excitement when they're here. We feel the love when they're here. We feel it and we miss them when they're not. They leave a hole in our hearts. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.